You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. In this episode, I have Logan Beckstrand on the podcast. Logan and I discuss his elk hunt some of the law changes in Utah, social media and the people's voice, tournaments, staying positive, his upcoming hunts, and other events. I hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, let's uh, let's get started then. Sweet, man. Sweet, That's sweet. Old man's got to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm like 27 now. <laughs> My bones are falling apart. 27. <laughs> Oh, man, don't even get me started on that. That <laughs> hunt last year, frick, did I tell you what happened with that? Huh? I think I remember saying that I got hurt. I uh, So after I killed that deer, I was helping my buddy, um, Jim Brennan. He's on our, uh, on our staff with Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. He uh, he's, was guiding close to where I was hunting. So I was like, yeah, just drive on over. I'll help you get a pig. And he's like, all right. So uh, I took him to the same hill where I killed that, that last desert buck. And right off the bat, we found, found the herd down at the bottom of this draw. And I was like, man, they're in a perfect spot to go stalk them. So we, you know, grabbed everything, took off and we ended up passing the pigs somehow i don't know how but so we were taking a break and we turned around and i was like is that something under under a tree and he he's like it's a deer and we looked looked in the binos and it's it's that herd of pigs underneath this tree and we're like how the heck they had to have been feet away from us but they were just down enough that we couldn't see them and huh. we circled back and the way it was kind of like what do they call it in motocross those like whoopty woo things you know yeah yeah um kind of like those but obviously bigger and i was like you know what? if we can get up that one finger we'll come over the top we'll be skylined but it's gonna happen so fast that it won't really matter uh-huh. um uh, like there'll be like 15 20 yards so we get over there and sure enough 15 yards perfect he drills this this bore and the whole herd takes off so i look at him give him an elbow I'm like hey good job and then i take off chasing the pigs trying to get him to stop and they were running right to where we left our packs and i knew there was this one draw uh that i had to jump over i was like ah piece of cake whatever so i jumped that draw and when i landed i landed with both feet but the impact was so hard that it like just floored me like i fell down and was like what the heck just happened and obviously the pigs get away and worked back got or i got our packs worked over to him and was like yeah but my knee hurts really bad so we hiked out of there got to the side by side 
And then I, right after that, I think I went to shot show and then I was on the road for, that's when we did that other podcast. I was gone for like a month. And, and so I didn't get to the doctor, but it was bugging me the whole time. And finally in March, I was like, I can't take this anymore. I got to go to the doctor, went and saw my normal doctor and they were like, yeah, we'll get you in for an MRI or we, they did x-rays. Like, we can't see anything. So went and did an MRI, and they were like, your knee's screwed up. <laughs> they went and did another x-ray, and come to find out, my leg was broken. So right Holy at the, I don't, I, don't, I don't know medical stuff, but yeah. Right where the bone, the like uh, outside bone on my leg, where it connects to my knee, um the head of that bone was broken in half and then it tore some ligaments on the side of my knee, which I already had knee surgery on my, on the other knee. So now it's in the same spot on my other knee, broken, broken bone, torn ligaments. And then I'm pretty sure I compressed a, um, a disc in my back. Cause even today my back <coughs> will like just hit me. Like I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't, can't do this anymore i went and like right before my elk hunt i went and got a uh, another real deep tissue massage got my back adjusted and it feels good for a week or so but then it'll be like a week and it just kills but yeah so my leg was broken after that hunt i hunted i think we hunted for four more days i believe so because that's when rocky came and hunted with me as well um and then, yeah, so then all the trade shows, being on my feet for that long, it was just horrible. So, but then I missed out on having surgery. They're like, yeah, you waited too long. We would have done surgery, but now you're just kind of stuck with it. <laughs> oh, damn. So, it was pretty, pretty wild. But, yeah, that sounds yeah, like so, it. Man. Yeah, yeah that's but it, it all like worked out. Happen and you don't really, you don't really know, you know what I mean? You just think to yourself, well, that that felt yeah. different and it kind of hurt, but I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I knew something was wrong, but I would because the next day I was completely fine. The next day, like we hiked and hiked and hiked for the next few days, and it was sore. But I just thought that was just from hiking around in the desert. I mean, we're putting lots of miles on you know, glassing around, glass and hiking, glass and hiking. And I just thought it was from that <laughs> broken leg on a hunt and can't get, I mean, it ended up fine, but man, that could have turned bad real quick. Yeah. So, no kidding. But, oh, well, it worked out. Yeah, it worked man, out and we're I'm glad it healed up, out. ready to go. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That's always one of my, like, I have like anxiety before a hunt or like a vacation. I'm really excited for like, don't get in a car crash or something stupid. And then you can't go on this hunt. Like, <laughs> like leading up to this elk hunt, <laughs> it's bad. Like leading up to this elk hunt. Um, we were going to the gym real, you know, every morning going real hard. And then like the month before I was like, yeah, I should probably take it a little bit easier. Still do all my cardio and everything, but make sure I'm drinking tons of water and stretching Cause that would just suck if you pull a muscle or something. I know who was it? I can't remember who it was. 
someone was telling me that their friend tore their bicep the night before they were leaving on a hunt on an elk hunt because he was just at the gym just lifting his weights like normal and snapped tore his bicep and he couldn't even lift up his bow it's like i would flip out especially on an arizona elk hunt you don't get those tags every year yeah damn yeah that that would just be you you and and i don't know enough about arizona are you are you able to turn your uh turn your tags back or it was probably too close wasn't it um if you i don't know when they started it it's been a year or two they do this thing called point guard um and i can't remember how long before the hunt it is but if i if i remember right don't quote me on it but if you purchase point guard up until a certain point you can turn your tag in and keep your points that you had and then that tag goes to the next person in line so there are some ways that you can secure it but even the way that their arizona draw is even if you had those points you're not always if unless you have max points and even then it's not a guarantee i don't believe um that you're gonna get that tag like for me this year drawing this elk tag i was way under what most of the draw odds say to draw the tag um but the unit i put in for was like a mediocre unit but then i also studied the draw odds really heavily route year so i'm banking on not a lot of people putting in for that unit and a lot of people just buying points and it worked out in my favor because i was in the middle of the pack for drawing it with well under the normal amount or the the average amount of points that it takes to draw that unit so but i always do that i do the the point guard just to be safe on everything um just you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, it's like just 10 bucks. Yeah, something silly, you know, or super unlucky, like a car accident or, man, and then, yeah. then you can't go, you know. And just like you said, it's you apply for those points for a long flipping time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of that. I mean, Arizona has some giant, giant elk, and but it's, I mean – there's a lot of units that you wait a lot of years to get those those tags. So, I mean, I think it's a great thing that Arizona gives you that option because I, I don't think Utah gives you that option. That's the the other state I hunt most of the time, but I, I don't believe they do that. I think you can surrender it, but I think you lose your points if you surrender your tag. So. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think I have one point in Utah, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a nice thing. Like, so I grew up in Utah, and my wife and I moved. So we've been married five years, and we've lived in Arizona for basically four of those years. Um, so Utah and Arizona are the states that I hunt definitely the most. Um, but Utah, it's kind of a good trade-off. Utah has a lot of uh, over-the-counter elk tags, where Arizona does not. But then it's also vice versa. Utah for deer is all a draw, and Arizona for archery is all over-the-counter, except for like the Strip, Kaibab, and 3A, 3C. Uh, I think there's one or two more. 
but so the nice thing i can hunt deer in august september december and january in arizona archery over the counter and then go up to utah and hunt uh elk over the counter with archery i think there's muzzleloader and there might i can't remember if there's any rifle over the counter there might be there's some spike spike only rifle tags i believe that are over the counter but so it's pretty good trade-off if you can uh kind of jump back and forth and know some of the different units that it's all over the counter so it's it's a good trade-off i like it it's not not a horrible deal so i like mule deer anyways so arizona is a perfect state for me where it's tons of deer opportunity and it's all over the counter for archery so yeah is so you know and that's that's something that's kind of different to me you know wyoming we don't have <clears throat> that i know of i mean uh, there there could be but I, I really don't think there is you know we don't have a a spike only tag or something like that so when I hear people talk mm-hmm. about that, you know, from Utah or wherever else, it's always kind of interesting to me the reasoning behind it as far as managing the herd and everything along those lines. I just, you know, I just find it's interesting. And then you look at, you know, obviously that's for elk, but then you switch over to deer and Arizona is, like you said, for archery, it's over the counter for basically everywhere (laughs) you know but yeah people are still shooting good bucks there so it just it's kind of interesting you know oh yeah i mean arizona you've got some giant deer here you know i mean a lot of the strip bucks that are killed down here they're migrating it's it's migration route so they're they're up on the pontagon up in canab and that and they they migrate back and forth i mean they don't know what a border is Kayabab, they they're still migratory, but they're there. Um, but I mean, yeah, Arizona has great opportunities for deer. I'm, I I definitely don't think out in some of the areas I hunt, I've seen as many big deer as I have in Utah. But being out in the desert and seeing a, a 200 plus inch deer, there's a couple um, areas that I go to quite regular that they're there all the time. It's just a matter of if you can kill them or not and if you can draw that tag um rifle tag archery is it's over the counter but they're there but it's the it's the desert so i mean there's there's a lot of big deer down here utah is kind of a special place you know there utah definitely has their uh management figured out I, every unit in that state you can kill a 200 inch buck there's i mean there's deer everywhere up there in Utah. So, but it, you have to draw. Yeah. Yeah, Utah's got a lot of freaking deer up there. A lot of deer. And that's what was so crazy to me moving down to Arizona. Like, the first time that I we went out in the desert, um, just cruising around, I was like, man, there's I haven't even seen a coyote out here. And then you sit down and put glass up and figure out kind of the... For me, I had to put a lot more... Uh, lot more e-scouting and focus a little bit more on some of the moon phases and that because i mean even right now it's the first week in october and it's still 80 degrees 90 degrees 
it's the coolest it's been in the last four months, which is awesome, but it's still blazing hot out here. So I've had to kind of look at all that different stuff, but now I go out in the desert and it's just like, it's crawling with life (laughs) and the deer out there. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's ridiculous that you can go out into like a unit that one of these Southern units, you know, around Tucson or, um, you know, in between Phoenix and, and Tucson, just for a rough geography or whatever, just low desert. But you go out there and get off the road, and it's amazing how many animals are out there. I mean, I took a buddy coyote hunting last weekend, and we're sitting in the truck. We got there a little early. I was like, yeah, I always see coyotes out here. There's, I know there's these couple hills. I, there's a couple dens back there. I killed a buck right over here before and opened the door to check the wind and I put it on my Facebook and Instagram 20 yards away from the truck coyotes are barking and he's like holy crap they're right here I'm like yeah they're they're on the other side of this this road like just barking and yipping away there's you know we called in a fox called in a couple coyotes there's just animals everywhere out there you wouldn't wouldn't think that um you don't always see the giants, but I mean, it's, it's like hunting the prairies of Wyoming. I mean, you can see a long, long ways and there's nooks and crannies that those deer get in and you'll never see them unless you're patiently glassing or you stumble upon them and it doesn't always work out and it takes a little bit more work, but man, hunting the desert's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like, I, I don't honestly, I've hunted the high country a couple times for bucks. Um, and I think it draws me in because everyone and their dog is talking about hunting the high country. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I grew up hunting desert stuff and I can find big bucks in the desert, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. man, I don't know. Like, you know, and, and I, I'm slowly getting to where I can I can hunt you know multiple states a year and this that and whatever. So I kind of want to have one state a year that is pure. You there? I lost. Hello. Yeah, you there? Yep, yep. I was just saying that uh, <clears throat> I kind of want to have one state a year that I purely hunt high country you know whether that be a tag in colorado or a tag in utah or hunting high country in wyoming i don't really care um but it's hard for you know i'm one of the lucky residents of wyoming that i could hunt the coveted g and h every single year because for me it's a general tag and i know people that you know they look at me and they're like what the hell is wrong with you why are you not over there hunting that and I'm just like, well, because I'm seeing 180 to 190 inch deer 40 minutes from my house in the desert. <laughs> so, so it's, it's yeah, hard. I'm... It's hard for me to just say, well, let's go to the high country and forget about these bucks that are 40 minutes from the house and drive five hours over to the high country. I just, I don't know. I would, yeah, I mean, and I'd love region to. Region G. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's 
like where where I hunt in the desert, it's it takes an hour to get from my house to where I normally hunt. Um, and I've been up to Region G in Wyoming, where I used to live. Utah is not very far from there, um, but I mean, there's there's deer all over the place, and it's just like uh, Chad Roberts. He lives down here. Um, he killed that giant buck. How it was? I can't remember how big it was. I don't want to put, say a number, but it was way over 200 um, out in the middle of the desert, middle of nowhere, like Swaro Desert, you know, that's yeah. one of the biggest deer ever killed. So it, they're, they're there. You just got to find them. It's, it's whatever you put into it, really, which is awesome, I think. You know, it would, I don't think it'd be as fun if you didn't have to work at it, like, it's there's something so much more rewarding after you've like put in a lot of work like this elk tag um that i drew this year mediocre tag i mean there's there's obviously some much much better units in arizona but there's some good bulls in this unit and as soon as i i found out that my card was hit for that tag i ran out my wife was in the living room and i was like i finally got a tag i finally got my archery elk tag and i'm gonna kill a bull she was like oh okay cool and i was like no i'm gonna kill a bull yeah <laughs> and she's like okay and so right then i started planning scouting trips and we went up and started putting cameras and figuring out some different places uh that not a lot of people really go in this unit because it's a pretty i mean it's it's a very heavily traveled uh unit for camping and just people playing around i mean it's not very far from from phoenix and you're up in the pine trees which is awesome um i mean we put so much time into scouting and we had a a few bulls picked out and um and that unit some of the um bigger time guides down here um that i would call and talk with they were like you know for this year with how dry it is if you see a 320 bull kill it just no questions kill it i was like all right you know that's According to the the historical, you know, 320 plus is is on the big side for that unit. Um, I've we've seen some 380 bulls in this unit before, um, but with it being a drought year and everything, I would never once got discouraged. Just I was so happy that I even had the Arizona tag um, that I could go because I can't couldn't hunt deer uh, this fall. So that was all obviously a plus that I could still go hunting. Um, but yeah, we put in so much time and effort, got the whole two weeks off for the hunt, went up a few days early, and right off the bat they were bugling, found a few bulls that, that night. Uh, the first night I got up there, and it's like, man, if I can find these bulls that opening morning, just that's it, game over, you know. And had a couple buddies with me, which was also – one of the coolest things because I had three guys lined up to come with me. Um, all three of would, this would be their first real time hunting. Um, and we got on bulls right off the bat. Like we got into a bugle battle with this bull and I probably in hindsight, after looking at the video, I pushed him a little too hard. Um, and that was just me excited trying to get a, a good bull and didn't get him 
and but every day we were on bulls which was awesome and i talked to quite a few other people in that unit and then on facebook they said they weren't hearing any bugles i was like man we're we're calling in bulls every day i mean it's kind of interesting to hear that but we ended up call i think it was day five of the actual hunt called in a bull right at the end um just cow called two bulls lit off and then gave him a little soft bugle and uh next thing you know we look over and here this bull comes comes walking in and i ranged him and he was at 60 i was like oh man i can kill that bull right now um he just kept coming and ranged him again he was at 45 he went behind the tree, ranged him, and he was at just over 35. And I, or no, just before that, I was telling my buddy, I was like, hey, get your rangefinder out and range this guy. And he was like, yeah, it's put away. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> That's a good place um, for it. <laughs> and, uh, well, it just, it happened so quick. Because where we were at, we were sitting in a blind that I had a camera on. It's this really weird little draw. And when you're looking at it on the map, it doesn't even show that there's a draw um, on a topo map because it's from the top of this draw to the bottom is probably only 15 feet. Maybe it's just a little roll. So even when I was first walking by there, you almost miss it because it's probably only 30 yards wide. Um, So I went in there the first time and there was quite a few tracks so we put a camera in there and it just got better and better and better that the elk used that instead of the meadows that were just above it and it's this big canopy so it's it's kind of like it's like a really dark timber patch but it's it's not like that thick dark timber that you really think about um so i put a blind in there and because it was super hot so we we decided to go sit there in the middle of the day and we had elk come in right off the bat and this little bull came in um he stayed just out of range for the blind and i told my buddy um i was like hey if that bull comes in i'm i'm gonna shoot him it's it's already been five days i've been up here for a week already it's i'd like to get home and see my my wife and kids and he was like okay cool like that's your choice whatever and um, cause I already missed a giant. I screwed that up. Uh, and two days before that, just, it was a complete cluster. There was elk everywhere, bulls running everywhere and ended up missing a huge bull. Um, but it was an awesome experience being in three herds coming together at the same time. Um, but anyways, back to this blind, it got kind of dark in there because of that canopy. And I was like, there's still plenty of time to actually hunt but it's dark here because we're in the blind and i'm because i canopy of the trees so we got out walked up the you know we're just kind of working our way back to the truck and it's like daytime again like it's it's working down but it was just like night and day difference being out of that canyon and i know you've been in that dark timber it's amazing how dark it can be in the middle of the day 100 um, so yeah just Oh yeah. Like so crazy. Um, so yeah, I blew, did a little cow call and had two bulls answer or no, actually there was just one bull. Um, and so then I did a, a little bugle, not anything aggressive or loud. 
because the whole week we'd been pretty aggressive, which worked quite a few times, but this time I just, you know, real quiet. And the, the problem we had was most of the good bulls already had cows and they didn't want to leave the cows even to fight. And we would get in and push them. I mean, there was quite a few times that we were within 40 yards and we could just get glimpses of the elk, but they wouldn't leave. They didn't want to fight, um, but they'd bugle and they were there. They'd rake, get real aggressive. But then if you pushed in, they would just, okay, I'm going to move to 30 yards away from you. And then you'd close that gap. I'm going to stay 30 more yards. And I was telling my friend, I was like, look, if we can find a bull, even a, a good satellite bull that is alone, we can kill him. We've just got to find a bull that doesn't have a big herd of cows that he's trying to keep all these other bulls away from. Um, this unit it has a very high density of elk. So after figuring that out, it was a lot easier to kind of start working these elk. Um, but yeah, so we got that bull to come in and he ended up stopping 30, 35 yards somewhere right there. Um, and he was quartering to me and just, you know, just like I was saying in other, other podcasts, even right now we're talking about, I can remember drawing back and then next thing you know, just that smack and it sounded, oh man, it was so freaking loud when that arrow hit him and he whirled and took off, ran into the trees and, uh, you know, me and Rod, my buddy Rodney were like, holy crap, I can't believe that just worked out. You know, the shot kind of hits you. And then, so I was like, let's just wait a little bit. We watched where he ran. So we waited probably 20 minutes or so and walked up to where he was standing. We could see where he kicked, but there was no blood. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. So we waited a few more minutes. Um, so now it's getting fairly dark. Like we could still see, uh, we could see the tracks, but not well enough to really pick up any blood so we're looking with the flashlights and about 30 yards away we find first blood and it's not it's not a ton of blood which was really surprising to me um and it instantly made me worry like well maybe i smacked him right in the shoulder um but we couldn't find the arrow which to me was a good sign um so we followed blood for i don't know 10 15 more yards and i could hear that bull um like wheezing, like somebody kicked him in the lungs or like mm-hmm. you get the wind knocked out of you and you're doing that. <gasps> and yeah, yeah. I was like, Hey, well that's good, but I don't want to, now it's like dark. So it's been probably 45 minutes since 45 minutes, close to an hour since we shot. And, um, so we've been standing there for probably, I don't know when we first heard him, it'd been half hour. Um, and we could hear him wheezing, and I was like, oh, this is weird. And I found, a like, a pea-sized piece of lung in a patch of blood. I was like, you know what, let's just back out. I don't want to go in there with flashlights and uh, jump this bull and then never find him. And so we, you know, backed out, called the wives, told them what was going on, and went back in in the morning, got onto that last blood we found, because we ended up losing blood, Um and we we're just kind of looking around with the flashlight still and looking in the binos, you know, trying to find anything. And right at that last blood, I'm looking around through the binos and now it's, it's light enough. We can see, um, through the binos is still that really dark gray light, but with those 
uh, nice glass. You could see quite a bit. And I'm like, oh, I think I can see a leg. And wait a second. I don't want to get too excited. And, you know, I'm adjusting <laughs> my binos trying to get it to focus even more, you know, that I can yeah. pick something apart. And then I see definitely a hoof and then a horn. And I just look at, at my friend Rodney and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, he's right there. We we were on top of him. We were from that last bit of blood. He was only another 30 yards away. So that wheeze was, was his last dying? breath that we heard him take. Gotcha. And yeah, but we were so close and I never heard that like, you know, when the bull falls, you hear that whoosh. We never heard any of that. And where he ran, he ran into some trees and then he made a huge hook and ran down this you know, very slight hill, but it was just grass. And so I think he just kind of laid down and that last breath was him just kind of rolling onto his side. So he was, he was dead while we were still standing there the night before, but with it being a bull, I didn't feel comfortable going in there and bumping him. Like, cause I, I was very confident in the shot and we never found the arrow until that morning. It was still in him. I mean, it was only sticking out the the veins were touching his hide so it you know just went all the way in destroyed his lungs caught the top of top of his heart and he was he was dead super super fast um but i'd rather leave him for the night than go in and bump him never find him you know so it yeah. it all worked out extremely well I'm super super happy with that bull you know just i mean he's perfect in my eyes nice five by six it was my first archer bull so it was awesome and then to have somebody with me that had never that they grew up in texas and have them there to see that bull see the recovery see all the emotion that goes into it um you know and we left our backpacks where we first shot um so i was like hey will you get the backpacks and you know like knelt down, said a prayer, and he comes over. And because that whole night we were both just praying we'd find this bull. And right. Rodney was so positive. He was like, "You made a," he's like, "You made a great shot. We're gonna find him in the morning." And which was such a relief for me that to have somebody there that even though they're a new hunter, they understood the stress that was going on. But even when we heard that bull laying there wheezing. He was like, I don't know what the protocol is on this. So whatever you think we need to do, let's let's do it. And I was like, well, the protocol is one in doubt, back out. And he's like, hey, let's let's grab the bags and let's go. Like, no no pressure, nothing like that. And then That's that next awesome. morning when we find it, and he was so excited. Um, and the next thing you know, he's pulling out a knife and he's like, okay, what do we do? Let's take some pictures and then let's let our getting this thing taken care of. And I was like, well, have you? have you never quartered anything? We're going to quarter it. We're not going to get it. And he's like, well, I've watched the videos. I'm like, okay, you've watched some videos. Let's just, let's start cutting it up. And next thing you know, he's just whipping that knife around, opening that <laughs> sucker up. He's like, Hey, should I cut it here? Like asking all these questions. And I was like, this is awesome. Cause he somewhat knew what to do. And when, when we were done, he was covered in blood and just super happy and never complained about packing any of it out. We had to do two trips and like, it was just so cool because growing up hunting, like, you know, someone in your family kills, kills a, a bull or a deer or whatever. 
it's you kind of lose that side of it where you've just been raised in it and then you you hunt with your buddies who have been raised in it and you kind of forget that side of it so it's really cool this year that i had a couple guys with me on the elk hunt one of them had to go home and then the other one um he was going to come up the second half of the hunt so he was pissed that we killed the bulks he wanted to be there (laughs) um but I felt really bad. He was like, do I need to come up there that night? Do I need to come up? I was like, no, just because we don't know if we're even going to find it. So just wait. And, but luckily he drew, um, a deer tag and it's the same unit that my wife has. So him and my wife, it's both their first deer tags and it's a rifle deer tag. Um, which is freaking awesome that both of them drew it and both of them had zero points. So, and it's a really good unit that they drew. Um, so, because my wife has hunted with me a few times. She's had an archery tag, but hasn't really been serious into it. And I mean, she's she's really doing it more for me, but she sees how excited I am to take her out. And then also to take my other friend that it's his first tag as well. And to see that excitement and the questions that they're asking and, really getting involved it's like a whole new like chapter or experience like teaching people and taking them out than it is like harvesting your own animal you know like and then that's i'm sure that's how it'll be when i take my kids hunting and they have their own tags that it's not you're not so it's not so selfish anymore like you're not worried about yourself you're worried about somebody else and you're not getting paid for it. It's not like you're guiding. So there's, it's a different aspect of it that I am so freaking excited for these deer tags. And both of them are like, yeah, we want to kill good deer. My friend Jake, he's like, I don't want to kill a two point. But if it's standing there, I don't know if I won't <laughs> shoot it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't I don't care. Like, I feel the same I'm, way. I'm all for like conservation and yeah, like I'm all for con- conservation. Let them grow, get some maturity. But when it's their first tag, you know, like the success and the fun is so much more important than killing a big, big animal. Like, but I, man, I'm so excited to to do those hunts this year because it was so much fun. Because uh, these same guys did a lot of scouting with me, and I taught both of them how to blow out calls. Um, which Rodney, the one that was with me when I killed the bull. So it was, he grew up in Texas. It's his first time ever being around elk or, you know, anything like that. And I got him a couple calls and was just, this is, I'll do most of the bugling, just worry about the cow calling. And we quickly found out that he, I needed him to bugle. And so I handed him my tube and said, Hey, I don't care if it sounds horrible. You got to bugle. And he's like, okay. And he bugled, and so he didn't really know what he was trying to say to the elk necessarily, but whatever he was, when he would bugle and his cow call, I still don't understand it because it was such a different sound because he's so new at it. But a couple of these big bulls just loved it. And I was joking with him, and I was like, I don't care if you sound like crap, dude. You are getting these bulls fired up, so whatever sound you're making, keep doing it. Keep going. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) And the same with the bugle. 
he he grabbed that my bugle tube. I don't I can't remember what reed he even had in his mouth, uh, what diaphragm. And I was like, just bugle. I got to get up on these these elk. I need you to keep making noises. So whatever he does, do the same. If you hear him raking, grab that tube and start smacking branches, break them. If you hear him chuckle, try and do some chuckles. Even if it sounds bad, just mimic him. And then I took off. And I could hear him behind me doing all those sounds. And the bulls were doing, he was copying them. trying, And, man, it was working great. And, it, I mean, it didn't sound, I mean, it's, I work for Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. So I am a fairly decent caller. Um, you know, I run the pro staff for him now as well. <laughs> so I get to hear a lot of different people calling. Yeah, I'm shitty at it. I'll tell you. It was it was awesome to hear that. (laughs) But man, who cares? Because this was Rodney's first time ever being around it. And he was like, Man, I suck at this. I'm like, dude, who cares? It's you're you're getting them to respond, which is half the battle. You don't have to be a Corey Jacobson or a, a Donnie or any of these guys that are phenomenal callers to kill an elk which just proved the point because he was getting these bulls extremely fired up because I kind of think it was just different enough that they weren't like, it's like when you're up in the woods and we called in quite a few hunters. Um, but you can sit up there and you can say, okay, that was a bull. Okay. This, that was Joe Schmo over here. He's still making the same sound. You can tell the difference between that and same. You hear hoochie mama. You can hear that across the canyon and you know, that's a person. And so I think it was just different enough that the elk liked it. Um, and man, it was awesome. It was so cool to see like the excitement on his face when he bugled and then that bull would cut him off. And then I turn around and, you know, give him the sign, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, <laughs> and he would start to cut off that bull. And then, you know, it's just back and forth. The bull's getting madder and madder. And he's just back there smiling, trying to blow the bugle. And, you know, we're just, having such a good time it was so cool to see that like fresh excitement that i had honestly lost because for so long i'd been hunting by myself and or hunting with other guys that were so experienced that it was just second nature almost but then to get that new fresh excitement was such it was like such a breath of relief and put me on a different level for this whole year that like, man, that's what it's supposed to be. Like who cares about killing the the biggest animal anymore? Who cares about the Facebook likes all this random crap that doesn't even matter and get back to why you originally started because it was just fun. It was a passion. You enjoyed it. And, and I'll be the first to admit that I lost sight of that for a while. And this year has been such a relief seeing that. And I think a lot of hunters are getting back to that, especially with like the conservation and caring where their food comes from and caring about future generations of hunting that they're seeing the importance of that. And man, I'm, I can't say it enough how excited I am to see these guys. I mean, they all got new bows. They've, you know, just asking all the questions, um, you know, and, it's funny. Some of the stuff are like, well, should I buy this stuff? I'm like, no, put in for a tag. Yes. You need your camel. You need a bow. Obviously you have to have a bow to go bow hunting. But if you buy all that gear and you can't afford the tag, what's the point? <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're the, the draw for Havelina is open right now. 
So I know they're all putting in in the next day or so. Uh, one of the guys, <clears throat> excuse me, put in last night. So all these guys are they're diving into it, and but they're to me they're doing it the right way because they're asking the questions, they're trying to be educated, um, and they're enjoying it. Just seeing the the happiness coming out of it and the fitness. Like like I flat out told them, you've you've been scouting with me, you know, how fast we hike, how hard we hike an average up there on the elk hunt average for us was like 11 miles a day. Uh And it's like, it's pretty physical. So we're going to the gym every day and, um, both of all of us have lost weight, which has been awesome. So our wives are happy. We're not so lazy. (laughs) And so it's, it's just, it's all around just been, it's been a great year that, you know, all the hunts that have been, all the, the tags we've had, it's just, it's been a, it's been a great year and an eye-opening year, you know, all the trophies aside, all that other stuff. It's just been, it's been a dang good year and a fun one that, man, I'm excited for all the, all the next hunts that are coming up. It's going to be, it's going to be a good winter. So that's awesome. So what a, you know, you, you keep saying, you know, there's some really good things that happen and there's some things that really opened your eyes. Um, what are what are a few of the the nuggets and pieces of information that you feel you picked up and learned that are going to help you in future hunts, you know, moving forward? Um, man. You know, one thing, um, one thing that stood out a while ago was when it was the first week in January, we had a, we did like a group hunt out in the desert for deer and pigs. And, uh, I don't know, have you had Henry Ferguson on your podcast? No, I have not. So he's... He's on Instagram. I think his name is Big Chief Wackabuck, but he's a no- notorious killer. Um, and he's got one hunting buddy. Oh, he runs the Not Fit to Hunt page as well. Awesome dude. He's hilarious, but he's he's a killer. He's he has a lot of great animals under his belt. But when he came out and hunted the desert, he grew up in Arizona, but up north. And so he drove to Arizona from Colorado. And we were sitting in the trailer one night talking, and he had his son there with him. And I think he had a broken arm, if I remember right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a broken arm. But they didn't see a deer the whole time they were here. And it's a, and some of the other guys were seeing some deer. Um, that's we got it. It was, it was, it was a hard first week. It was full moon. If I remember right. Um, and, but not one complaint that him and his son drove through blizzards. You know, I think it was like a 11, 12 hour drive, something crazy like that to come down to the desert and didn't see a freaking deer or a pig. I think their main goal was to get a javelina and, a lot of the herds that I had scouted had moved into private or had just moved out and we were having a hard time getting on them. And that dude had a smile on his face the entire freaking time. 
like he would send us pictures. Look, I shot a rabbit or look, I, this is the only javelina I found. And it was like an old javelina skull that he found in the middle of nowhere. And he was just happy to be out there. And his son, um, I think his name's Kyle. Same thing. Not a complaint. Just, he would like, they went and sat some water holes and his son was like, ah, I'm tired. He just lay down in the dirt and he, he's a teenager, but he just lay down in the dirt and take a nap. And, but they just had the best attitudes. And that's what really started like getting the wheels turning for me on the, the positivity while you're hunting, but then how that translates into just your everyday life. Um, so that was a huge one for me. Um, hunting wise, sitting in, it was in January as well, sitting in a uh, blind with Rocky Jacobson, sitting there talking with him about different techniques on, I mean, Rocky is obviously known for elk hunting, but sitting there talking about techniques um, on elk hunting, predator hunting, uh, how they deer hunt. And then that conversation continued when we were on a trade show route from, I think it was, it was Vegas to Reno or no, it was, it was Phoenix to Reno and myself, Rocky Jacobson and, um, Kurt Howard, the GM for Rocky Mountain, the three of us drove from Phoenix to Reno and we coyote hunted the whole way there. And we didn't see a coyote the whole freaking way there. So it's like 13, 14 <laughs> hour drive those bastards any through some of the best. <laughs> I know. And, and I drive from Vegas or from Vegas to Phoenix pretty regular. Um, and there's coyotes. I see them all the time, but on that particular trip in the middle of winter, we didn't see, uh, we didn't see a coyote. We didn't call in a coyote. Um, but in between the stands, all that drive, being able to pick Rocky's brain on the continuing the conversation after sitting in the ground blind and, and what he has seen, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the effect that those predators have had on the animal herds, particularly for him being up in Idaho with the grizzlies and the wolves and even how it's translated down into Arizona with our um, predators, like our coyotes and our mountain lions. Um, Rocky's been able to hunt quite a few states, obviously. Um, and coyote hunting, predator hunting has always been extremely fun to me, but it hasn't always been about the, the animal herds and protecting our undulate uh, population. It was just always out killing coyotes. And Arizona has been under a lot of scrutiny, uh, scrutiny, sorry, for coyote hunting, coyote contests. Um, they tried to do a ban on um, all the cat hunting, um, bobcats and mountain lions. And luckily it was um, tabled for the time being, but there was an article in the newspaper, I think it was yesterday, about coyote contests and how bad they are. Um, and it, to me, that was another eye-opener on how important it is for us as hunters to protect our, our wildlife, 
me, you know, the con- conservation side of it with predator hunting and um, the public land, how important all those things are. And if we don't do anything about it, if we're just the guy that, well, yeah, I, I like deer hunting, I, I love deer hunting or elk hunting, whatever, but then you're not supporting anything. You're just kind of sitting there like a bump on the log. You're not active, then those animals are going to disappear. That land is going to disappear. That your kids or those those new guys like I've been helping out, they're not ever going to get into it because they're not going to be anything to hunt or any places to hunt. So that was a big eye-opener for me that, man, I need to get more involved and not just you know, say, oh yeah, we need to take out some more coyotes or we need to join Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or Mule Deer Foundation or whatever, but actually try and make a difference um, and support the groups that are making a difference. And even if it is calling, you know, whoever's making the, like for Utah, Senator Mike Lee with that, that whole deal that's been going on there, even though you don't live in Utah, you can still send them an email, write a letter, make a phone call and say, this is why I oppose what's going on. Or for us in Arizona, this is why I support predator hunting. So there is a future for our deer. It's not just, you know, the smoke as many coyotes as you can, but there's a purpose for it and there has to be a balance in everything. But if we're as sportsmen, if we're not the voice of that, those animals don't have a voice. They can't stand up for themselves and say, Hey, protect me. These coyotes are killing all my fawns. <laughs> We're the ones that have to stand up and say, we've got to do something about the predator population and come to terms <clears throat> peacefully and respectfully on both sides, which is really hard to do. Um, which I get a lot of those people when they say, Oh, I don't think you should kill the mountain lions. They're beautiful. They are beautiful. But, there's a reason why there has to be balance. I mean, when I'm working in California and you hear about all those dogs that are getting killed by cats and now people are getting attacked by cats out there. Well, it's because there's no hunts. There's no balance. There's only two or three people that I know of that can legally kill mountain lions in California. One of them lives here um, in Arizona. He's a, he's not a state trapper. He's a federal trapper. And I've run into him on a couple different places when he's been out hunting cats. Um, But if if we're not doing anything, those deer are going to disappear. If we're not active on everything going on in in your neck of the woods with the grizzly bears, it's already happened. Those elk and moose are gone. The last time I drove through Island Park, we did a bear hunt outside... um, our condo that we stayed at was in Island park and we hunted, um, closer down by Ashton. So it was a little bit of a drive in Idaho. Um, we didn't see a moose. We didn't see a deer. We didn't see an elk, nothing but bears. And most of the bears, the sign that we saw was grizzly sign, which freaked us out because growing up going into that area, there was deer, elk and moose everywhere. And now you can't drive up there and hardly see them. So there's got to be a balance, but there has to be a respectful balance, which I think is the key on a lot of it. If you just go in there with emotions blazing, 
you know, this is my side and the other, the animal activists, or this is my side. And there's just this huge heated debate or same with, um, like I was listening to another podcast today and they were talking about the Utah deal with Senator Mike Lee and, um, Brian call and the mountain ops guys and, um, backcountry hunters and anglers were able to sit down and have a conversation and they said it was a, a really good conversation because there was understanding on both sides. It wasn't just this huge heated emotional debate. It was an educational come together. This is our side. This is our side. How do we understand each other and come to a common ground? Um, so yeah, that was, that was another very large thing that I got out of this year is that we really, we really do need to stand up and make a difference. Cause I want my, my two little girls to be able to go hunting with me when they are old enough. And if we don't do anything now, they're not going to be able to the same with your kids. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <clears throat> I would, you know, and I would, I would rather go hunting and take my son with me and not shoot a damn thing. than go out and shoot a 200 inch deer. I just would. Um, it means more to me to have him there and have him experiencing the outdoors and being close to other animals and things like that than it will ever mean to shoot a big animal, you know? So, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, we, we have to, uh, come together and make a stand and, uh, get it pointed in the right direction together because there's no one of us that can singularly do it alone. Yeah, no, we're we're so much stronger together as a group. If we can all just come together, it doesn't matter what bow you shoot. It doesn't matter what camo you wear. We're all here in this passion, in this industry, whatever, collectively. And the sooner we can all come together and realize that we're on the same path and we have the same goals as sportsmen and outdoorsmen the better it's going to be for everybody, which seems like such a simple thing, but it can be extremely difficult. And I think it's headed in the right direction. You know, seeing everything that you see on, on social media and all the things that are happening every time that there is something brought up negative towards sportsmen, um, it's usually floored fairly quickly now because we are come together Um, but that brings up another point, you know, with the whole staying positive and and negative, Uh, the other thing that here's another thing I've learned for this year with the, I'm on a positive kick. If you can't tell, man, there's been a lot of, (laughs) you just got to stay positive. If you're positive, good things happen. Um, there's been a lot of stupid drama and things said on Facebook lately and maybe, Maybe I need to step back from Facebook a little bit. Where I've been working the last little bit, I haven't had any service, which has been kind of nice. You can just sit down, put your head down and work and not even think about social media because you don't have service. Um, (laughs) Same with that elk hunt. I had zero service for, I mean, I could make some phone calls, but no internet service. So it was was a good week break from uh, Facebook and that. But there's, there's, been drama floating around with a few different people and there's been on a few different pages people you know what what do they call it public shaming social media shaming 
I don't know, whatever they call it. I'm like, what's the point in that? So somebody did something wrong or stupid, whether they did it on purpose or not. Why do you have to say anything? It's not going to make a difference. Like what's done is done, you know? Like it just goes back to the, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't, don't say it. Like I'm sure that person already knows they screwed up and they're probably super embarrassed and feel like an idiot or whatever. But like, man, it just makes, makes you look not very intelligent. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just not how the world works nowadays though, man. <laughs> I know. I know it's not. And it, it really sucks, but it really does. I mean, there's, you really think about it, right? There's there's two ways to build the largest building in town. One, you simply build the largest building that's bigger than the other buildings. There you go. You have it. You built it, and you didn't tear anyone else along the way, down along the way. Or two, you tear down all the other buildings and then just build a building, right? Dude, and, 100%. And the second way is what everyone does because it comes off in the short run as a quicker way to get there yeah in the short run but it's not you know so that's just it's it's just the way you it depends how you look at it and uh it depends the kind of stuff that you yourself submerge in and who you follow and who you listen to and everything along those lines for sure yeah yeah, you know, and that's that's what's so interesting about with social media and everything. Everybody has an opinion now, which obviously this is just my opinion, so it probably doesn't matter to anybody. But it's it's so interesting to see that how everybody has a voice now and how different people view things. Whether whether you like them or not, or you like the product, the guys over at Mountain Ops. Even if you don't like their products, you got to give the guys credit for the positivity that they're trying to spread, you know, doing the, and I'm, I don't have any sponsorship or anything with mountain ops. So this is just me again, voicing my opinion, but their whole conquer hunger when they did that food drive the other day, it was like 10,000 or 17,000 pounds of food that they donated to needy people. They're trying to build positivity in our in in their communities and in the world really but mainly for hunting people and the positivity that i see those guys really trying to spread and really trying to stay away from the negative side of things is is really cool and it's really it's a uh, breath of fresh air to see that doesn't all the other crap doesn't matter as long as you're trying to be a good person spread positivity and happiness and show that that's all that really matters none of the extra bull crap matters and i mean that's kind of funny that it's a hunting podcast and we're talking about that kind of stuff but i mean it's really coming full circle with how hunters are being perceived in in the country now and especially in the west the west has its own persona and draw to it that's different from hunting in on the east coast um and it's 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 really interesting to me to see how things are going um 
but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely on a positivity kick right now. Just <laughs> the way this year this the way this year has been with with the success and you know bringing new people into the sport, you know having the confidence. I mean, I don't think I've ever gone into a season more confident than I have this year or going into any of the tournaments I've shot. I mean, the last tournament I shot was a mid-sized 3D shoot down here. Um, it was my first time ever doing the um, no rangefinder. So you're you're having to read your yardage. And, and I went into that and was like, I got this. This is going to be cakewalk. And I told my wife leaving. I was like, yeah, I'm going to win it. And she's like, haha. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to win it. You watch. Went up there. And there was quite a few good shooters up there. But... I don't want to come across cocky, but for my class, nobody was in like 35 points, which is quite a big spread for a 3D shoot. And it went into the shoot off. They, they automatically put you into a shoot off. Um, but, and I, man, I was so nervous once I got in the shoot off, cause now everybody's sitting there watching you. There's a couple hundred people sitting there. Um, but going into that shoot off, I was like, I got it. Like, Took, took a couple seconds, looked, figured out my yardage. First shot, boom, 12 ring. I'm like, all right, it's done. And then the next guy shoots and shot shot a five. The next guy, I can't remember what it was. Not a, It wasn't a 10 or a 12. And I was like, all right, I just have to hit a 12 or a 10 on this next one, and I've won. Which, because in this particular tournament, it was like two tournaments. It was to get into the shoot off. And then once you're in the shoot off, they erase your scores. And now you're shooting for first to fourth. So even though I went into the shoot off, having blown everybody out of the water, if I would have totally sucked in the shoot off, I could have gone from first to last with just like that. So, which put a little bit more pressure, but that first shot, I was like, all right, game over. It's, it's in the bag. And, the next shot was a 10. The next one was a 10. But, and again, nobody was even close. And I was like, man, this just feels awesome. I'm shooting really good, but my confidence is through the roof. And it was, so it's just been a really good, good season. And it's just getting started. So we'll see what happens the rest of the year. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of the rest of the year, um, what, you know, what kind of things do you have planned and upcoming and what kind of things are you doing to stay on a positive note? So I don't have my own hunt until the Metro Havelina opens in December. So we can hunt within certain sections of, of they call them a Metro unit. So it's like, metro phoenix uh, metro tucson um outside of scottsdale so you can be just it's technically city limits um but it's like a city unit you can hunt archery for deer and javelina so that's over the counter in december is that'll be my next um my next personal tag and then the new year starts january 1st so i'll be able to hunt deer again and then you can kill two pigs a year. So I technically could kill two pigs in January and February. Or, um, but yeah, just 
so that'll be my next little bit. Um, my wife has a tag that starts in a little over a month. So the next month we're going to be scouting pretty hard for her deer. Um, but it's a rifle tag, so it well, I don't, it's not going to be as rough as an archery tag out in the desert. Um, that buddy, he has the same tag for the same unit. So we'll be trying to get both of them deer, which will be awesome because it's their first ever tags. Um, and I have another friend who drew a late archer or a rifle elk. And I think that starts the day after Thanksgiving or something like that. Somewhere around Thanksgiving, he's got a late, late rifle tag and a really good unit. Um, he burned some points for that one. So, yeah, the next three hunts really are for other people. Nothing wrong with that. <coughs> yeah, not at all. That'll be a lot of fun. So, yeah, those are the next, the next three hunts are for other people, and then mine will start back up in uh, December. So... But the positivity, um, you know, we're, we're just going to keep having fun. I'm the pressure, not really feeling any pressure anymore. You know, we still have our, I still have my personal sponsors and pro staff stuff and, and all my stuff for work. I'm still doing the, you know, the sales rep stuff, but so there's some pressure there, but it's, I've finally figured out a way to have it like a fun pressure, not so much, uh, oh, we got to get this down so that we have some, some footage or pictures, whatever, you know, there's, that'll come regardless. Um, but just getting back to the basics, just having fun, not worrying about all the, the other stuff that we have content to, to turn in and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we still run all the cameras and, and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's really just going to be having fun, not worrying about it, not worrying about what anybody thinks doesn't matter. I mean, the people that really care and the people that I care that are seeing what's going on, um, they're the same ones that wouldn't care if it's a two point or it's a, a huge buck. It's they're those people are still going to be the ones that are going to congratulate you because they see what it's really about. Um, when I killed that desert buck last January, um, one of the things I always do just so that I have, so I can remember it better is I always pull out my phone and record right after I shoot. Like after it's all We've got it figured out, um, you know, like that buck, I watched him run and I could see everything and he piled up, took out a whole bunch of trees, piled up and took out my phone and was like, holy cow, we got him. I know he's a good buck. I don't know how big he is. I just know he's a good four point. And in the video, I start crying and I'm like, that's, that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter about the score. It doesn't matter about how big it is. Find a mature animal, have fun with with it, and love it. Own up to it. 
you, in my eyes, I don't think anybody should be saying, well, it's not the biggest one out there. Who cares? Just be proud that you accomplished. I mean, you harvested an animal, whether it's a gun or, or an archery kill for me, I, I do 99.9% archery now. Um, but you, you killed an animal that its whole existence is to survive and to pass, pass on new life. They eat, they sleep, they drink, they have sex and they repeat. And in between all of that stuff, they're trying to survive. And you tricked an animal, you stalked it, you called it in, however you did it. You sat a water hole, you were patient, you sat in a tree stand for hours, which I can't freaking do. <laughs> but you did it, and you won. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good at sitting in a blind or, or a tree stand. I'm spot and stock kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I feel you, you won. And... I had somebody, I, um, oh, one of the Acosta brothers, um, they're, they're another couple of guys down here in, in Arizona. They're some killers. They, <laughs> they know how to get it done. Um, but one of them wrote me a message yeah, and was like, dude, that was so awesome. Yeah, they're, they're some awesome dudes. I run into them quite a bit and have done some shoots with them. Awesome dudes. Um, but yeah, they're, they get it done. They get they they know how to do it, um, but one I think it was Dave. He wrote me a text or face I can't remember, um, but he was like, "Dude, that is so cool to see." Yeah, how's it going? <laughs> All right, <laughs> lost you. I, I lost you. So right after what the last thing that I said and then you started to reply and then I just couldn't hear anything. <laughs> uh, man, I was on a tangent and I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, well, that's the internet for you. <clears throat> but no, I think I was just saying that's, that's really what it's about. Just, just really loving it, loving what you're doing. Be, be happy with it. It doesn't matter in the long run. It doesn't matter how, how big it is. It doesn't nobody really cares. Everybody wants wants all the other hunters to be successful. Um, you know, it doesn't even if you're in competition in the same unit. It's awesome to see if someone kills a giant bull. Like we've been, I've been watching social media to see all the elk when someone will actually post what unit you're in, which is, doesn't happen very often, which that's kind of the cool thing. Arizona, nobody really shares their deer spots, but for elk, because you don't get the tag very often, everybody's pretty helpful with, with the elk hunts. Um, and, but seeing some of the bulls that have come out of the same unit is really cool. And then, you know, knowing that there's, bigger elk in there and like well now i know what i need to look for next time and see there's one bull i was watching that he he got killed um and i knew it was him because his fronts were gigantic like that's all he had he ended up breaking one of his beams um from the time that i saw him to the time he got killed he was broken 
Um, but somebody killed him with that beam broken, you know, at his second, I think. Um, man, they were so happy with that bull. I was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, who you guys, you accomplished an amazing thing. You called in a bull, they called him in and this bull had quite a few cows. They called him in, killed him. They got it done. It was awesome. So yeah, that's, I'm going to try and stay as positive as I can this hunting season and just, if we don't get it, we don't kill one, who cares? We're out there to have fun and make memories. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's, you know, and, and I think social media almost makes that kind of hard, you know, cause you'll see all these people that are out there and there's just giant buck after giant buck after giant buck. And you think to yourself, Man, I've gone out there and I don't even know how many miles I've walked and all I can see is four cords. <laughs> you know, just like what the yeah. hell? But then that's that's the cool thing. You, yep. You you can go in a spot and only see four corns, but then that one time that you didn't give up, you go around the tree and boom, there he is. There's that dream buck you've been looking for, and you might kill him, you might not, but at least you know he's there. You, I mean, you never know. You never know. When you hear an elk, the bull that I killed, when he bugled, I thought it was a person because it was just the weirdest, oddest, squealy bugle I'd heard the whole week. And me and my buddy looked at each other and said, I think that was a person. And he he was like, I would put money, that's the person. Next thing you know, that bull's in front of us. So you never know what you're going to call in. Um, I know Matt Bateman, one of the guys at Grim Reaper, he killed his bull. Um, I want to say they called it Rex or T-Rex or something like that. Cause when that, when that bull was bugling, he has the coolest, gnarliest bugle. Like anybody listening needs to go onto Facebook and look up Matt Bateman, or it might be on Grim Reaper broad, uh, broadhead page, but that bull has the nastiest bugle and it's so cool to hear that bull coming in and you never know what you're going to call in or you're out predator hunting i always have a mountain lion tag in my pocket when we're out coyote calling because out here when the i mean the season's open for coyotes and mountain lion basically year round um but right now i can turn on that call and a bobcat could come in a coyote a fox a mountain lion and you can kill all four of those right now you never know what's going to come in, but if you're at home sitting there feeling sorry for yourself that you haven't killed a big, a big, big buck, or you haven't called in a coyote or anything yet, well, you're not going to get it done on the couch. Right. So it's in my eyes, it's a lot better to just keep on trying. Yeah, don't tried. quit. Stay I positive. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give up. <laughs> you know, that's that's just part of the game you know it's you're not gonna yeah you're not gonna kill them sitting on the couch you know that's been said for years and that's that's not a secret you got to get out and and keep trying that's half the half the fun i mean getting out there keep going that i think that goes right back to just staying positive it's it's gonna happen the more work you put into it the the sweeter it's gonna be um, she's like that bowl that I just got when I, I cooked up some back straps the other night and 
like I was telling uh, my brother-in-law, I was like, that was the best steak I've ever had. It was better than the most expensive restaurant steak I've ever had in my entire life, which it probably wasn't to anybody else. But to me, that first bite of that, that bowl was phenomenal because I put in so much time and effort into that bowl. The money doesn't, doesn't matter. None of that mattered. What mattered was it got, we, we killed a bull and now we've got two freezers completely full of meat and it tasted awesome. And you know, it's, it's going to happen. You just got to keep trying. If, if anyone's having a hard time, you know, find some positive people that are going to keep encouraging you find some guys on social media, even, even if you don't know them, there's hunting groups in every state. I mean, there's, I mean, there's tons of people out there that are going to respond or answer your questions. Just get rid of the negativity, find some positive people and, and keep running with them. And it'll happen. You know, it'll happen eventually. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. It may not be in six years, but I'd rather keep trying and keep being out in the woods. Even if you're not killing anything, it's better than sitting at home eating some potato chips any day. Yes, I agree. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. No, I do. I'm, I, people that know me and follow me, I'm a pretty positive guy as well. And I think there's, I think there's no better time to be and stay positive than when you are out in the backcountry or in the woods or whatever, especially when you're by yourself. That's probably when it's the hardest, but, uh, Oh yeah. But man, it's just, you know, staying positive is, is super powerful and, uh, it is, it's sure to help you get to where you want to be much quicker than the, the ugly brother or sister of itself negativity so (laughs) with that yeah 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 man well i uh you know i appreciate you uh reaching out and wanting to hop on the podcast and share your elk hunt and you know everything that's been going on with you because you've been having a flipping awesome year so i appreciate you you know hopping on the show and and talking hunting and and some of the new stuff going on with the Utah laws and things like that, as well as, you know, some of the ins and outs of social media, uh, your, <laughs> your tournament life, staying positive, and then obviously some of the upcoming hunts and events you have going on. I, you know, I appreciate you sharing that all with us. Yeah, man, it's always good to share and it's always fun to just have a, another hunting con- conversation. So, yeah, we'll see how the how the year turns out, but regardless, it's going to be a good year. So, looking forward to to sharing it with everybody, and hopefully, we'll have some more more stories to share later. Yes, we sh- we will for sure. We will for sure. <laughs> All right, man. All right, well, man. Well, thanks. A you bunch go get and... those old bones in bed. Yeah, I will. I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy i will talk to you all right, soon man. okay sounds good we'll see you all right see you logan bye thank you for tuning in to the show it means a lot to us 
But seriously though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Bride and Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lambers. And a special thanks to... Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.